some some weighty issues on the January Timbald Order paper, including the Highways Charter, uh, Swimming Pools, Department of Infrastructure's plan, our island plan, and the economic strategy. On Perspective this week, I'm joined by political Rottweiler, Claire Christian MHK, deep-thinking minister Chris Thomas, and Arbury Commissioner and Southern Pool member Kerry Jenkins. Is the government's primary focus to churn out endless reports, or are we about to see real and meaningful change? So in the interests of transparency, I should point out that uh, uh, I'm n- when I'm not w- uh, working for Manx Radio, I work for Arbury and Russian Parish Commissioners, but I will endeavour to ensure that doesn't impact on my impartiality. Um, so perhaps if we start with uh, with you, Claire, um, we're having a look through the, the, the Timmeld Order paper, that's the primary focus of, of today's show, um, anything particular that uh, you think is going to trouble the Council of Ministers? Um, well, just to say, I've been called some things uh, before, but uh, Rottweiler <laughs> is is the first time, uh, so uh, I'm not sure what to say thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're looking at the question paper. There's some interesting um, questions that have come up. I've got four questions, one on work permits. Um, that really is driven from my constituents. A lot of businessmen in my constituency have uh, highlighted the issue of, of um, long lead times on work permits. Um, second question for me is a performance reviews of the current CEOs. Um, have they happened? What was the result? What, did they happen on time? I, I'm, I'm unaware of uh, what the situation is. For and that. and wh- why particularly are you interested? Well, in I this? think because we've, we've, you know, the government really went out very strongly, and certainly this chief minister about accountability. Um, and obviously uh, accountability starts from right at the top, so we really want to know if those performance reviews have been done um, and what's the result of that, what action has been taken if, if they have been done. Um, another question is on the whether the Chief Minister believes there should be a time limit on um, new ministers um, being put into place. I think I worked out um, we've had interim minister uh, ministers uh, for five and a half months of this, 16 and a half months of this administration. Um, uh, there's been four DfE ministers, including the chief minister. So taking a long time to choose somebody, um, you know, is that right? And I, I really want to kind of get into the chief minister's mind as, as to what, what, it, it, what and why. It does make you wonder whether there's actually a need for a, a DfE minister if it can be done on, on a kind of a part-time basis in, in the way that uh, seems to have happened. I think that... Um, my own personal um, opinion on it is is that maybe the the Department for Enterprise as a title um, is is redundant now. We've got an economic strategy. Should it be the Department of, of Economic Development? Should we have an economic um, uh, development director, um, somebody who can really uh, lead and and promote the island properly, um, bring in the agencies into you know perhaps one. Um, and really sort of make some big changes. But if you want to leave it as it is, then, then you know, not, not work on it, kind of let, let things ride as they have been, then, then, yeah, maybe it is a part-time job. But I think if you really want to take that economic strategy seriously and you want to create 5,000 jobs as the Chief Minister does, then I think you need to appoint somebody. Um, other question is basically on noble, noble, um, Noble's patients waiting for care, uh, care home places. Um, that was obviously raised in by Manx Radio. 
um, as being a concern when they interviewed um, Noble's Hospital because they're overcapacitated. So there's some really good questions. I'd also like to just point out um, question 16 um, by the Honourable Member for Russian, Dr Hayward, is asking the Chair of the Officer of Fair Trading um, what steps the OFT has taken to deal with the billing problems experienced by customers of Ireland Energy. And that's, that's a really big uh, topic at the moment across social media and certainly for any MHK who's dealing with their constituents. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, I have to say the level uh, that I've been approached hasn't been huge, but I understand uh, just looking at social media, I can see a lot more. So I have reached out over this weekend to ask constituents and, and uh, residents to contact me and give me uh, some idea of the experiences. Um, back on the 5th of January, I did reach out to the CEO. Um, Joe Cox and gave her a couple of examples of, of issues that um, some constituents had. Um, one whereby a customer had uh, sent out, uh, sorry, had uh, uh, not received a bill but had actually had the money taken out of their bank account. Um, and uh, Island Energy uh, basically said that that was due to a postal issue and some, some customers hadn't received their bills um, because of that. Uh, there seems to be a sort of a, a general feeling from Island Energy that 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 uh, the problems are being resolved and resolved, but that doesn't seem to be the case. People have, you know, just overnight have really. I've had a lot of emails from people contacting me with a myriad of different types mm. of of problems with the bills, and this really has to be solved. And, um, and minister, I mean, you're, you're the. I don't know. Are you the rose between two thorns or the thorn between two roses? We'll, we'll see as the program uh, develops, but. Uh, gas price, and that sounds well, like a, a, both a, a, a rubbish last infrastructure time, sort of thing. Last time I was the fat controller, so both of <laughs> them better. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, is gas regulation, that, that, that isn't an infrastructure problem, is it? I know oh, it is. The um, Department of Infrastructure is the um, sponsoring department, the main department in the Gas Regulation Act. So I've got uh, two issues at the moment with gas regulation, having met a senior officer in DOI to lay this problem off on them from an officer point of view, and having met the... Uh, director of uh, Cura, the chief officer and Cura. The first one is that uh, we are the sponsoring department and we still have functions. So for instance we can make regulations about the um, the price level and the markup by landlords and things like that but we haven't made regulations for whatever reason. Um, I think I know the reason which is we turned our mind away from it about 10-12 years ago. And the second uh, thing we can do is we can, um, we can look to transfer our responsibility somewhere else where it will be better held. So that's our two angles. So there are profound problems with uh, with the um, Isle of Man Energy having other people's money and not being able to properly account for it at the moment. So I've, I'd put that down as to cure a board and to cure a management, even if you're not directly involved, you are, because that's pretty serious. And obviously the Office of Fair Trading has got huge responsibilities because they're responsible for customer customer rights and customer protection, and that's vital. And uh, then... Uh, I suppose the obvious highlight for you must be presumably the Department of Infrastructure's departmental plan, uh, which is uh, down at item five on the order paper. Is there anything particular that stands out from that plan, uh, other than the minister's forward, that uh, that uh, you you think we should be taking note of? Uh, well, the the plan was held back by various people 
through the last few months because we were hoping that the island plan and the economic strategy would be further ahead and we could take them into account because there still are um, contradictions between the climate change action plan, the island plan and the economic strategy and there still will be when we take the departmental plan forward because the island plan revision only comes after the departmental plan. So in the end our departmental plan was written several months ago and um, the economic strategy is better from um, in, in infrastructure's point of view and we've taken ownership of um, infrastructure services through what we provide for service providers for a larger population so you know we talk about um, if, if there is a population of 100,000 by 2037 let's make sure the infrastructure can cope and in the in, and as, as we get there we've got to have adequate infrastructure uh, along the way and uh, and, and so the departmental plan, you know, all, it, all we're asking Timwell to do is to receive it. There are five responsibilities for us inside the island plan, which I can go through. But um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't actually think receiving the departmental plan is the most important item on the uh, order paper. But very pleased to talk about all the very important things that the Department of Infrastructure is doing. And uh, it seems that the department is a, is a great success. Um, every box that, that, that there is seems to have a green line alongside it saying you're, you're meeting your required uh, objective. Um, I think there's two or three exceptions. but um, No, just one exception. We've just put um, orange or yellow against the Liverpool Ferry Terminal because that's at risk, because it's a very difficult project, complex project, both in terms of delivery time and also the budget. It's not, it's not over the budget. It's not necessarily going to be late, but it's at risk. So that's the only thing we put down at orange. And everything else, we're, we are at green in terms of meeting our island plan and departmental plan objectives. However, I've got to say that's because... Um, this current government wasn't very keen on the Department of Infrastructure 18 months ago and everything else was given to somebody else when it probably should have been given to the Department of Infrastructure and that's what I, that's why I really I mean I, I had the offer of the department for enterprise and turned it down because you know the island plan is not going to deliver <coughs> if infrastructure doesn't get the airport right, the sea terminal right, the ferry services, the air, the air services, the bus services, the public estate, the roads, and all the, the school buildings, the hospital buildings, all of those things that are in the responsibility of infrastructure. And we're also not going to meet the climate change targets unless... Um, unless the Department of Infrastructure leads the way on dealing with waste strategy, with housing strategy, with transport strategy, with building strategy. So it's absolutely vital to get those things right. And all we have is four leading objectives in the island plan, and we're on schedule for all of those. That's, that's why it's green. Just before I move on to Kerry then, uh, Claire, you, you had a, a point? Yeah, I mean, we, we can look, we can guess, guess into the nitty-gritty of, uh, of the infrastructure plan, but um, I, I just want to, and it's quite good that Chris is here, just to raise that basically one of their KPIs is to increase the number of people travelling on a bus. Um, but, I, I'm, you know, this isn't even clear in the plan. How Does that mean more buses? Does that mean more, you know, how are they going to achieve that? Um, I, I'm really nervous about the 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 vision of the bus strategy. Um, there was a bus strategy for transport connectivity and accessibility in 2021. Um, I, I don't know how that's developed. It's not really talked about. Um, and and I, I'm very, very interested to see that. Um, I Chris knows how I feel about social housing infrastructure needs as well. Um, I don't think we're building enough how social housing. Um, I agree that we do need the the infrastructure plan first of all. The, the um, but we need to have some kind of forecast. We're going into a budget in February, and you know this this infrastructure needs assessment. It, it uh, I mean, Chris, you might might have a, a more of a clear idea being in Comen when that's actually coming through, but 
if we don't have a plan, uh, if we're going to raise thresholds for um, social housing, we don't have a plan for new houses, there's more and more people are absolutely needing more and more normal and I say that in a really bizarre way what does mean normal but somebody who's on a mi middle range salary not not people who are on the breadline need to be in social housing it shouldn't be the last resort for people anyway um, we should be able to provide the social housing now I know we have a higher number of social housing compared to Jersey and Guernsey but that doesn't matter. We are doing things differently and should do things what's right for the Isle of Man. Um, so I'm absolutely, I want to see, and I would have really liked to have seen in the infrastructure plan, um, you know, at least some kind of report or research into um, actually what we're going to be building um, and how, and what's the knock-on effect of the raised uh, threshold that's, that's possibly coming through with Jason Morehouse's motion. Kerry Jenkins uh I mean, you, I suppose you may be surprised to note that there's nothing in the department plan, as far as I could see, maybe, maybe I missed it, uh, in relation to local government reform. Um, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, it is surprising, isn't it? Um, I mean, it's been talked about for a long time, um, and, you know, the minister has been on a, on a sort of bit of a roadshow with all the local authorities. Um, perhaps Chris is the person to answer why it's not on the... Um, agenda. Well, in actual, in actual fact, I'd say one of the four identified island plan um, objectives for the department is actually to do with local authority uh, transition, practical local authority transition, because the Highways Maintenance Charter, which is a much more substantial item itself, is on the Timwood Order paper uh, next week, because that's about um, in 2014-15 there was a delegation from from um, Department of Infrastructure to each of the local authorities for you know gully maintaining gullies, hedges, footpaths in in the less uh, strategic routes. Um, and that, that sort of thing and uh, what we've done is we've been out on a roadshow around the regions talking about setting standards and then working with local authorities to find out you know what standards should be set how we should um, how we should work together on keeping those standards if they're the right standards and if we do need to set standards and most importantly who's going to pay for keeping those standards so that's a practical element of local authority reform we also went out to local authorities in two other uh, capacities um, over the last three or four months uh, one of which was um, housing uh, and so to address straight away um, Claire's point, you know, we are talking about how we're going to raise the thresholds because the, the largest uh, housing providers are, are not the government, that's local, it's housing providers who are also local authorities, so that's been discussed. And, and, and for uh, those who don't understand uh, local authority or, or, or public sector housing, what, what do you mean by raising the, the So in other words, at the moment we have our access and eligibility criteria for getting onto the uh, public housing waiting list. Uh, we are going to increase um, those criteria in April, May, June. And increasing year. the criteria basically means it's more going to be easier for More for, people for are people. eligible yeah. because of their household income circumstances and other circumstances. So that's, uh, and that, but that has to be done under a national policy but in consultation with local authorities. So we've been, we haven't been to Arbury and Russian so much because I think Russian has four houses from memory and uh, <laughs> and then, you know, it's not exactly a huge player in that market but um, we have with, um, with the Ramsey and the Peel and the like. And then the third area is buses because the bus division has been 
been round to have meetings with all the local authorities about bus routes when they were invited. So in other words, you don't get anywhere with local authority reform if you have it as your objective because it's just meaningless. What we're trying to do is we're trying to focus on the actual functions and how we can and how we can deliver better the functions that people want inside the local areas with um, appropriate management. That's why the swimming pool debate is going to be so important in um, in Timwall this January because that's about this very question. Do we need a swimming pool in the south? Who's going to pay for it and the like? Well, um, I was asking you to clarify some of the, uh, the, the uh, civil service speak there and uh, Ruth has just texted in to say, what is a KPR? I wish politicians would use real speech um, KPI, I think it was that you said. Uh, and I'd, I, w- I wouldn't have used KPI. I use, I use KPI. <laughs> Apologies, but yes, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's and um, it's a key performance indicator, uh, and I'm not entirely sure what that means. It's basically a measure of how, how successful or otherwise the department so is. It's, yeah, um, it, was, it was basically to say that uh, the key... So to say how that the um, DOI would improve... Um, uh, or it would be a measure of how they've improved and that's basically saying the number of um, people travelling by bus um, and yeah of course that's a good a good um, indicator to say that their their services are improving but it's just it's just how are they going to do that and certainly when you've got um, a chief minister who's uh, renowned for his save program I hardly think he's going to be giving extra extra budgets here and there for, for mm. transport uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see um, just on the, the note about um, uh, which I spoke about before about social housing we've got 700 people or so on the waiting list currently for social housing across the island um, and really I don't even think that that's a true reflection because it's really renowned that the length of time for um, to get to to uh, be able to to get a house on social housing it's it could be year two years down the line if you're somebody who doesn't qualify for extra points um, and because it's it's based on points um, and uh, so really that 700 could be a lot more people who are paying private but actually really could do with and really would like to go onto that waiting list. So if we've got that right now, we're looking at raising the um, thresholds, more people are going to become eligible. Um, you know, it, it really concerns me that there's there's not enough social housing and, and that they're just the numbers now. So what is it going to end up? Kiri, you, you've been uh, sitting very quietly in, in, in the corner there. Um, what about uh, the, this uh, the, this highways charter then? I mean, is it, are, are the are the local authorities failing in their in their duties here, or, or um, do you, do you think there's there's more that local authorities should be doing, or, or uh, is it about right? Well, there's been a lot of grey areas, as you know, Phil, um, and there's been a loss of um, corporate knowledge across the DOI, mm. insufficient inventory records, and and I think maintenance has suffered as a result. Um, I know that Minister Thomas is pushing in the right direction and and addressing these shortcomings. Um, The local authorities are going to shortly be reviewing the service level agreements that the DOI have provided. And inevitably, there's going to be some practicalities to overcome, particularly, I think, for rural parishes like Arbury and Russian. We don't retain a full-time manual workforce, for instance. and, and in in essence, it's uh, it's Chris Robertshaw's thing, isn't it? This uh, smaller, smarter government. This is this is what many of the rural authorities are. I mean, may, maybe not quite what how how Chris Robertshaw envisaged, but uh, effectively, most of the of the rural authorities commission services um, from uh, 
private companies to come in and, and deliver. You're, you're right, Phil, and for example, Arby and Russian have collaborated recently with the DOI on maintenance of the Balaclawi and Balakilferrit roads, and the feedback has been very positive. Um, collaboration rather than confrontation is definitely the better solution for all concerned. Um, I mean, we should be working together to exercise the functions and get the best and most efficient you know, value for money. Um, I think central government is increasing the workload of the local authorities and in some cases, I, I, as we come to expect, increasing the bureaucracy. Um, so I think there's still some negotiating to be done before we strike the right balance to ensure that ratepayers, for example, aren't paying additional costs for something that we've already paid for through general taxation. And, and in terms of that, you, you mentioned about bureaucracy. Um, it, it, is it not fair to say that many of the rural authorities uh, effectively ignore uh, bureaucracy and perhaps don't do as much as they ought to do in, in terms of record keeping, in terms of uh, p- adequate monitoring of, of, of what goes on in the parishes? <laughs> um, I couldn't say, Phil. I mean, you, <laughs> you're our clerk, so well, you know, we've got I'm to be careful. To be what I'm trying to, <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I think there's been different standards across different local authorities. Um, I know we, we actively took part in the feedback to do with the um, public rights of way and you know anybody reading that report would see that there's definitely different standards you know Arby and Russian have always stepped up to the plate and done their bit I think Um, and so many other parishes have done that but you know we need to stop this sort of petty squabbling over you know salt bins and things like that which at the end of the day we're we're trying to provide public services for public good aren't we so um, you know coming coming to sort of like Clearing those grey areas and and saying who's responsible for what is definitely going to help because there's definitely been some anomalies where the DOI have thought the local authorities are doing one thing and we've thought the DOI's, it was the DOI's responsibility. And wouldn't it be more efficient um, to just have a department for local government that delivers these services across the whole of the island? Surely surely um, we, we no longer need... Uh, how many is it now? Is it 22 um, local authorities? Or, um, I, I think it's fewer than that is now. It, now our brain rush, I think it's down to 20 from memory. But right, um, OK. Um, so do, do we need... I mean, isn't the whole concept of local authorities, is that not a, a thing of the past, though? But are we adding a, an extra layer of bureaucracy? Um, you know, uh, the local authorities in the main, they're volunteers, um, you know, the commissioners aren't paid. Um, they give up their time for free. Um, you could say that you've got economies of scale if you join together, but on the other hand, you've also got monopoly, uh, you know, monopoly situation then over services. So, I think these debates are all something that need to happen, and um, I'm sure Chris is the man to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Minister, um, just before we go to the break, then, uh, do you think? Um, Large central government is is, is well, going no. to be more effective than no. small rural authorities. No, we've got to and we've got to get beyond that sort of level. We've got to be really practical. Collaboration is exactly the right way to go. We've got to make sure that we don't bring in armies of uh, clipboard carrying inspectors moving around. It's got to be practical. So, for instance, some of the ambiguities that Kiri is referring to would be, you know, defining exactly um, how you do a hedge, how high you do a hedge, because and, and what you do with the stuff that you take away. Because it turned out in the meetings that's ambiguous. 
contiguous um, inventories of the gullies and the and the pavements and things is really important. So we've got to now think about how we can make sure that we record in one place, even if it's just to protect our, ourselves in insurance claims of what work's been done and how we've dealt with potholes and how we've dealt with, dealt with curbs. Um, in terms of the machinery, you know, it's it's all well and good relying on the local contractor. But if you can't go high enough up a hedge or you can't get deep enough into the gully, it's not the same quality if you have the proper equipment. So we've got to make sure that the equipment is available to the right people at the right time, at the right place, at the right cost. And then when it comes to enforcement, you know, it's hard to imagine parking and things like that being enforced about unless you have a person on the ground to help with it. There are ways with AMPR and drive past and taking pictures. But, you know, that's a bit like Big Brother. Does Is the Isle of Man ready as yet for having, a, for having just you know, London-style enforcement notices sent from the car? driving around so these are very practical things that we've got to got to um got to deal with we've got to get beyond you know this person's more efficient than that person's more efficient we've got to collaborate to get to a better situation to keep our to get to keep our footpaths and our hedges and our our countryside and our towns as good as they can be for as cheap as possible so you heard it first on perspective that's the minister's statement on on the highways maintenance charter (laughs) so welcome back to perspective and uh, we're joined in the studio by Claire Christian MHK, Chris Thomas MHK and Kerry Jenkins who is a Arbury Commissioner but also a member of the Southern Swimming Pool Board and we'll hear a little bit more about the pool shortly but what does surprise me is that our island plan which is item six which is supposedly government's big uh, sort of policy statement um, that, that hasn't doesn't seem to have uh, reached anyone's list of of, of uh, top priorities for um, you know or, or areas of interest in relation to the Timwald Order paper. Um, it's um, a year into this, this administration, so it's a, it's kind of uh, in line with previous uh, governments. Uh, to, that it takes about a year to to come up with a plan. So you've only got four years left to deliver. Um, does nobody uh, is this old news now? Is that is that the the the, the problem with this? Do you think anybody, uh, Claire? <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's talk about uh, the island plan. I think it's great. Um, obviously, what's happening is is they've blended in this economic strategy, um, and uh, the economic strategy has obviously been already debated. Um, so it's it's really how does that work um, in terms of what their their overall strategy is. Um, I, I, you know, we I, I can't see it being something that somebody uh, is not going to vote for. Um, I can't see that there's going to be much kickback. But I mean, from my perspective, as I've said said earlier, um, there's there's a real emphasis on this Department of Enterprise. What is it meant to be? They're obviously meant to be leading this economic strategy, um, and it would really concern me um, right now that there doesn't seem to be um, somebody full time on that. Um, we, we really need somebody to kind of like look at the local market, the island, um, to have a really sort of a strategic focus, um, study market trends, identify potential threats, opportunities, focus on developing and strengthening the local economy and create, obviously, these new jobs. Um, they've got to look at strengthening our local economy. They've obviously got some really big concerns with that right now. 
there doesn't seem to be anybody really taking control of that it, it, and that really does concern me i mean we 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 began this journey in terms of the uh, economic strategy with with bold statements and a big splash but uh, uh, there doesn't feel down. as though there's there's mm. much by way of that uh, that that big big uh, ticket items coming forward demonstrating a, a, a clear move from, forward from my perspective I, I tell you what's really interesting Phil so I remember obviously going back to the beginning of this administration and the workshops and the emphasis on the island plan and we were all brought in and we were you know it was a real collaboration it certainly feels that way. I expected the beginning of September just just gone. I expected there to be a sort of reignition of that coming from the Council of Ministers, um, and uh, it doesn't feel that way. But at some point, obviously, the departments have to take responsibility, and they have to take responsibility. And the, we can't be held, have our hands held the whole time by the Chief Minister. We've actually got to go out there and actually do something and make things happen now. Um, so they've set it. You know, they've said this is what our strategy is. You know, the the Isle of Man, um, uh, Timwald has approved that. Now we've actually got to, to deliver. And that's the message that we should be getting from the Council of Ministers. This is what we've delivered. This is this is how much we've achieved in this first year. And I'd like to see more of that, Phil. I'd like to see more communication um, about what each department is doing. Um, I know certainly from my perspective of being in, in the department um, for for education, um, you know that that's really important um, to say. We're working on the um, AEN code. We're working on obviously um, the situation with the teacher strike has, has been a big focus for for the department. Um, so it's it it's really important we get that message out. Um, but I, I don't hear it as much as I would like to hear it. Is mm. what I'm saying. Um, so I think Kelly, I think you might feel the same. Kelly, uh, I mean, are you? inspired and overwhelmed by all this activity that's coming out of government or, or uh, are you waiting to well one to... of the one of the points that i looked at i looked at the economic strategy and you know i in my youth i i traveled i i worked abroad and you know so i feel that i've got a sort of rounded view of this and and without an influx of new talent um to replace our aging workforce the island is going to be left with a low economic output now capturing um mobile youth is the major challenge and countries that are politically stable and some would say naturally resistant to climate change are going to fare better so a large proportion of our youth today you know they want to own their own business they've got they want entrepreneurial opportunities high-speed internet financial incentives and they will all attract young to rural communities you know like our parish you know, there's a lot of people work from home these days and we're not well serviced with um internet in uh, in our areas particularly you phil i know <laughs> um I, I think it's a blessing not not, yeah, not being possibly. able to uh, um, hold the internet's down so i could get you know the email. island is really well placed to take advantage of this new green and blue economy and what's needed is a clear route map to facilitate migration in a way that best meets our community and i haven't seen anything really imaginative or inventive which makes our offering stand out from any other locations suffering from 
similar problems. Yeah, I agree. We need we need definitely more incentives for business and more incentives for for individuals as well. And I'm I, I'm with you, Kiri, on this. Um, I th I think it's important our um, Manx uh, residents do go off island, and I think it's important they do gain experience. Um, but it's attracting them back um, uh, to to become uh, to to feed back into the island, and and how do we keep and maintain that communication and that that link with them is really really important. I know I went off island for twenty years. You're probably thinking, oh, we should wish I'd stayed off island, <laughs> but but um, but it you know during that time. I didn't I didn't once think, you know, oh, I'd, I'd like to kind of head back and there's opportunities there. It was only through personal experience because of family. Um, and I didn't think those same opportunities would be would exist on the island. So we really need to start screaming it from the from the rooftops what you can do. But there's 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 worryingly not enough emphasis on on incentives and support and and we're going to be looking at um uh, taxation and that's all coming up chris isn't it with uh, in treasury um so that's going to be really interesting uh, as to what, what's going to happen with corporation tax going forward um and are we going to stand out or are we going to uh, blend in with our with our uh, crown crown dependencies and hopefully we'll find out all about that uh, in february when uh, budget day comes along one thing that interests me uh, minister uh, is at part two of the item six which refers to the um the, the the island plan and it says that tim will notes that as a living document our island plan will be updated over the course of the administration uh, how does that uh, updating happen because you know you've gone to the trouble of asking the public what they think you've gone to the trouble of asking Timbal members on several occasions what they think about the island plan and finally it looks as though um, we're, we're going to get a vote uh, 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 on this um, but then the plan can be updated um, at some point possibly even the day after the vote um, it's not it's not clear to me how, how, how that update happens well things change so that's one reason to update but also um, it's not perfect still. So, for instance, this plan, as you say, was discussed at a conference. I think it's government's plan to have a slightly smaller scale in the evening, in part, conference at the same time as this year next year for the island plan. And I know also now I want to work with housing providers, local authorities, to, alongside that to have a, a local authority government spirit of collaboration plan for high, for practical things like highways and bus routes and housing and the like, which, which again we're doing in the summer. So that's one another reason to uh, input into this plan. And finally, each year the departments have got to come along with... Uh, a departmental plan for debate inside Timwell. That's clear in the island plan. And as I've hinted at earlier on, we in, as soon as our um, departmental plan is received, it'll start changing because our departmental plan will then have to be um, changed in light of the island plan that's the next item on the Timwell order paper. We need to have some uh, collaboration, perhaps even squabbles with Department of Environment, Food and Agriculture about um, climate change and some of their policies because there are contradictions between how we deal with transport and waste and housing um, that, that, that need to be ironed out. Um, we need to have those debates. That's another cause. So in other words, it, it, it's not perfect as yet. And in any case, even if it was perfect, things change. So that's the reason why it has to be updated all of the time. Kiri? Um, going back to your um, department plan, Chris, one point of particular interest to local authorities, of course, is the report on the implementation of the 2018 waste strategy. Now, you take Arbury and Russian as an example. Last year, over 63p in every pound 
was attributable to what we call sustainability and waste. So that's refuse disposal, refuse collection, civic community site, wheelie bins, etc. And you've just increased, you know, the the fees for that, um, which is only going to add to this burden. Mm-hmm. Um, an overall waste strategy, according to your department plan, we're we're looking at, um, you know, twenty twenty five. Is so, it? Yeah. So, three. Or f- I completely agree because I got the figures here, and for instance, the civic amenity site and the waste contributions from local authorities absolutely dwarf the swimming pool contributions, which we're going to talk about in a moment. There's a huge amount, but for our department, the largest part of some of our divisions is the payments for the energy for waste plant up and up in Braddon. We've got to have better coordination for waste management. Um, unfortunately, what's called the decarbonisation scenarios haven't as yet been produced by the climate change team, but there is a procurement ongoing such that they will come. The, there is a centralised climate change transformation team that's going to have an officer for DOI to help us with transport strategy and waste strategy, but that person is, is not yet in place, but the recruitment is, um, is, um, is live at the moment. And as, as I've said to you, um, you know, you've had highways maintenance, you've had buses, you've had um, housing, watch that space for waste strategy because I want to extend the collaboration um, um, into, this, into this area because it's so important um, that we get it right. You know, essentially, if you come from London, if you come from Liverpool, if you come from Germany and you impose what you were doing there as best practice in the island man it's not going to work because there are profound differences our our island demography is different our island nature is different the fact that we have trans frontier shipment regulations the fact that we have costs involved to get to uses means that we're going to have to reduce reuse recycle incinerate trans uh, transship in a different way and I want to have that debate and we only have two members of staff in department of infrastructure and waste strategy that's a problem for us but we do need to to use the expertise elsewhere at, at, up at the um, Energy for Waste plant in the local authorities to make to have a better waste strategy and our 10 point plan for waste strategy is very important to me. And it is fair to say that, uh, I mean I know from, from my previous knowledge of DOI that uh, you're not you don't have a huge amount of staff, particularly in relation to to local governments, uh, for example, and indeed waste. Well, two local um, government, two waste. Yeah, only a few more in policy for housing. So we're a tiny staff, but you know you've got a minister now, like we had when we were working together back in 2014-16, who was really going to focus on this from a practical point of view to make practical changes that make sense and of good value. And one of the other items, which is probably. Uh, um, won't attract as much interest from many uh, of, of the listening public, but uh, certainly has attracted some level of uh, concern, particularly from the northern and western pools, is this plan or the uh, report that's been produced into regional uh, pool strategy, uh, which seems to be suggesting that your hard-pressed staff need to take over the running of uh, swimming pools as well. Um is, is that something that the Southern Pool uh, welcomes, uh, Kerry? It is, actually. The, and the board has written to all the um, MHKs and MLCs asking them to support this motion. It's a definitely a step in the right, the right direction for Southern. Um, you know, the, it's a good factual report. It didn't sugarcoat it. David McKendry from Knight Cabinet and Page was very knowledgeable. Um, the financial difficulties that Southern... Um, have been experiencing are certainly not something that's appeared overnight. Um, the local authority contribution rate, for example, has stayed at 2.5p since inception of the pool, which is 1978, 79. 
Um, uh, but, but I mean, the, the Western Pool and the Northern Pool, and many, many people who, who ring up uh, Manx Radio's man and line say, well, it's just poorly managed. You know, the, the, the pool, uh, you know, the West and the North seem to manage okay. So uh, why, why are we going down this route of a, a regionalised pool strategy uh, when uh, it's ju- it just appears to be the Southern Pool that can't uh, manage its own affairs? Well, when the pool was first established, you know, we were in a different age you know, the generous pension scheme would be unthinkable today. Um, the lifespan of the pool was estimated 40 to 45 years. We're at that stage, you know. Um, some of the decisions made by past boards were not the best. I mean, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. It's very easy to look back now and point the finger. A lot harder to make decisions at the time with hindsight. Um, you know, it should be remembered that all board members are volunteers um, and it it is a considerable amount of time being given up to looking at what's gone wrong at Southern Pool. Um, a lot of professional time being given up for free. Um, for me personally, I think I was disappointed to see that successive governments appear to have recognised that there were shortcomings in the funding model, uh, but did nothing about it. Um, with the exception of sort of like, you know, Minister Edgener officers, they've sort of like... <sighs> They've really been supportive and stepped up to us once we lifted up the carpet, so to speak. Um, The pool technically was insolvent before this board took over. And I say technically because um, the department desk covers any deficiencies to a degree. But it's been an extremely challenging financial period and we've had to make very difficult um, decisions to limit the financial exposure and drop some of the costly business elements. And, and Claire, Claire Christian, I mean, when, when the Southern Pool was uh, developed, um, most MHKs were part-timers. You know, they'd only <laughs> turn up maybe two or three days a week to, to, to do their, their some MHK. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, you, you could say that <laughs> and name names if, if you like. Um, is this part of the problem? Maybe uh, that... We're expecting too much now of local authorities because you know everything else has moved on, and uh, you know th- there's there's very few MHKs that could reasonably put their hand on the heart and say this is a part-time job. There's so much that you have to read, so much that you've got to know, and uh, we're largely expecting in terms of uh, regional pools, but maybe also uh, in in other areas with regards to local authorities, expecting. Um, um, volunteers to 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 know and and read all all this vast amount of information. Yeah, I think um, just just going just back to one point, I'll I'll answer that. But just to really to sort of say in support of of the Southern Pool, um, this is a, a strategy that's that's really derived just from struggles in in the South. Um, you know that. Um, Minister Thomas pointed out the Isle of Man Sport and Recreation Strategy 2002-2012 um, brought by the um, then uh, Tourism and Sport Department um, and that this vision of, of regional hubs um, was certainly described back then and was needed back then and it's just been kicked down the road by, by uh, governments of the past and um, I'm really supportive of uh, this, um, obviously the motion that's that's coming through, being brought through by desk, uh, because I think it, it, 
it's a really again we talk about collaboration and it's really important that we we actually collaborate with all these stakeholders and we we build these these hubs that's right for the communities and it comes back to the island plan and you know and it, it means that we're we're really sort of developing something that's not just suddenly been brought up um through this this report um but back to the point about volunteers and to the point of um mhk's full working full time being paid a salary i think I think yes, we do have to recognise that councillors and commissioners, um, uh, or board members, do, you know, do do these uh, this job voluntarily. It is a, it is a huge amount of work, um, and it, whether you're you're doing that role or whether you're doing that your, your MHK role, you'll probably have your full time job at the same time, um, you know, or you've got a business or or you're you're working working in other areas, but for me. Everybody, every MHK, I would have thought, will tell you that this isn't a nine-to-five job. This is more a twenty-four-seven, um, seven days a week. And but the, I'm the kind of person that likes that fill. I've always liked that. I've always enjoyed that that flexibility of being able to to switch on and off, but but majoritively on. Um, but you know, certainly from a perspective of Kiri, um, and uh, you know, I agree. It, it is difficult. We do put a lot on them. So bringing it back into you know the, this this concept of bringing it back the pools into desk um is something that needs to be explored and uh, and hopefully not kicked down the road again and actually something done as this this time kitty well <clears throat> you know if you look back at the um structure for the transfer of functions of the regional pools this was written into the local government act in mm. 2006 so 17 years ago and counting um you know, I've said that the Southern Pool has fully supported this motion. Um, it was evidence, uh, evident when we were forensically examining the accounts and the operations that there's definite cost savings to be had across the pools and there's duplications of functions in common, there's opportunities there to improve things operationally and, importantly, to improve the governance. And, you know, whilst the Night Cabinet page report goes into these at high level, um, you know, we've looked and examined them, at, you know, at the sort of line, the minute bottom line. And, um, you know, whilst it's important to note that Southern is the oldest pool and therefore ran into the difficulties first, it's so important that we have contingency planning in place for Northern and Western. And this has got to be, got to be mm. put into long term um, planning. Because, of course, the other thing to remember about the uh, Southern pool, it was designed and built in at a time when you know, it was felt that government was always going to be there to, to, to support the pool um, and it didn't have a large cafe that was uh, designed to supplement the income uh, of, uh, of the pool. Uh, Chris Thomas, uh, are you, are you well, as council ministers generally content to, to take over the regional pools? I mean, are, uh, are the implications of uh, uh, potentially introducing a uh, regional uh, leisure rate of, of, of are those um, all accepted by council ministers now? Well, well, well no. Um, 
government agreed to put this on the order paper, so it, it agrees this motion. Otherwise, it wouldn't have asked one of its members to uh, to move it. But that doesn't imply a regional all island leisure rate or even a regional leisure rate. That's still to be going. And I just want to make sure everybody understands that the um, what the motion says is that the um, is that desk Department of Education, Sport and Culture, and the Department of Structure will undertake a piece of work to cost a new term long term strategic plan, which would transfer, not which will transfer. We have to see that in the context of the crisis that's in the Southern Swimming Pool and it's absolutely important that the Southern Swimming Pool stays open and that we deal with the um, issues that are identified in the report. But we've also got to acknowledge that there are other players in this. Um, in the West, they made the point that they had said they hadn't seen um, this motion on the report. Um, I just want to say that they, they first received it when the public received it on the 23rd of December because... And I sent it to them on the 23rd of December and they, as I understand it, the, the, the Western Swimming Pool Board did actually meet with the consultants back in September because that's all, that, that, that's all written up in the report. I also think the Northern Swimming Pool Board has made a really good point which is that um, the governance and the actual practical aspects of maintenance haven't worked in the last uh, seven or eight years. I think something went, went wrong with the transfer of functions in 2014 and 2017 and I'm really surprised to see how somehow we lost the normal local government processes from this process and it became just a budget function and a maintenance function of the Department of Education. We need to look at that. So we've got so much to do and I hope we can collaborate, work together. I think we can, I can end it with some words from Sir Miles Walker back in 2000 when the swimming pool orders were put together and the boards were created. Miles Walker said... If the price of local management is a two and a half pence rate, and I'm sure he would have said or a six pence rate or a larger rate, rather than having centralised management, then I think it is a cost worth paying. And so we've got to get the balance between the centralised and the um, and the um, and the management right. But we also have to remember that Jerby is paying one thousand four hundred and sixty nine pounds into the Northern Swimming Pool, whereas government's paying nearly two million. So we've also got to get the balance right in terms of that sort of um, that sort of uh, uh, perspective. We've got lots of work to do. And, of course, the, the, the regional uh, boards would also point to the fact that Douglas Braddon and um, Onken and uh, parts of Lonnan maybe um, yeah. don't, don't actually uh, yeah. uh, pay anything towards yeah. the, uh, Ale- the pool. Alec Downey, I'm sure, I hope he's listening, he, he said back in 2000... Um, he pointed that that out and, and basically explained that the eastern authorities didn't currently pay back in 2000 um, into this arrangement. And to be fair, Doug, Douglas uh, granted the, because they the, gave the, the land. land, and it was all to do with summer land, and it, before that it was all to do with and the that's Blue fine Noble for Trust. Douglas, but what about Uncle and, and uh, Garth and Braddon? And, and and the reality is. Um, well, Braddon has got a huge rateable value inside Braddon now. I was shocked to learn recently that it's always been the case that the commercial rates are a huge percentage of Braddon's, Braddon's bill, but Braddon now has a larger commercial rateable value inside it than Douglas does, which to me is absolutely, absolutely surprising. You know, we know business has been going out there. But anyhow, Braddon, Onken, Douglas... Garth are huge compared to some of the contributions um, made into these um, boards and committees. So I do think that if I can possibly do it, you know, without frightening them, we've got to have a complete look at how we provide leisure facilities and perhaps even beyond into cultural facilities and art facilities. But nothing is determined. We're looking at this with an open heart and open mind to make sure we get the best value for, for, for ratepayers' funds, for taxpayers' funds, and remembering that people who use sports facilities and arts facilities and cultural facilities have got to pay as well.
Well, sadly, um, <laughs> Kerry Jenkins, Kerry uh, uh, Jenkins, um, um, Claire Christian, and Chris Thomas—that's uh, who you've been listening to. We've been talking about the Timmeldorder paper, and uh, we've just about run out of uh, time on the programme. So, thank you all for for your contributions. Uh-huh.